Breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Thursday, August the 18th, 2022. Praise be to God. Good morning. 24 hours away, that's all you got. And a little extra till the weekend anyway, praise be to God. Hopefully it's going to be good. Hey, uh, here's a question. Uh, should you, uh, dear parent, send your kids to college? I know, it's like, got to get those kids through college. And they got to go to a major university. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, their life may be ruined if they don't go to your alma mater. Uh, but should they go to college at all? We're asking that question today with Dr. Michael Robillard. He is the co-author of a book by Regnery called uh, Don't Go to College, A Case for Revolution. He has a Ph.D. He's taught in colleges, majors like Oxford, West Point, or nothing, Naval Academy and others. He's a, uh, an Iraq War veteran, and he joins us at 35 past the hour to ask a fundamental question why parents should consider not sending their kids straight off to college. There's a lot more at stake here, and we're going to jump into that at 35 past the hour. Join us for that. Hey, the Swiss bishops have released a statement on uh, the uh, the synodal way. Their report, their findings. Have they found the get out of jail free card? Is recognizing the royal priestly and prophetic dignity of all the baptized sort of the the way we get through a lot of this shenanigans related to the synodal process. We're going to have that conversation at 15 past the hour. And then BigPulpit.com is uh, on the board for the uh, top of the next hour. If you can join us, we'd love to have you. So much to conversate about today, though. The Anglican Church splits yet again, this time in Australia, as conservatives within the Anglican Communion there reject endorsement of same-sex marriage. Hey, Boston Children's Hospital, you might remember we reported on this yesterday. They were promoting, you know, uh, surgeries, you surgeries that you can't go backwards on, that can never be undone, you know, life-altering surgeries on children for trans children, uh, supposedly. Well, they're now denying accusations that they were promoting that after they've deleted all the videos from their website. Hey, Cardinal Mark Ouellette, the prefect of the Dicastery for Bishops, was accused of sexual assault in a civil suit filed against the Archdiocese of Quebec. It included, I think, over 100 testimonies, not just on him, but on, like, all sexual abuse cases going back to, I think, 1940 or something like that. Planned Parenthood dumps a record number $150 million into the midterm elections. They want to be sure to provide, quote, the health and the lives of pregnant people, close quote. Pregnant people, huh? Hmm, interesting. I thought only women could get pregnant. (laughs) Silly me. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. It is a fantastic day. Is it? I'm excited for the weekend, by the way. Why? What's on your agenda? I don't know. It's just going to be nice, don't you think? Oh, I have a to-do list for you this weekend, so oh, do my you? weekend's going to be great. Yours may be a little packed. Uh, what are you going to call the list? Um, the Rudy-do list? The Rudy-do list. <laughs> Rudy? I like this. <laughs> Rudy? This is brilliant. The Rudy-do list. How many list. times have I told you? <laughs> the Rudy, that's great. I'm going to coin that. It's crazy to be the gods. Well, uh, hopefully you'll have a good weekend nonetheless. Yeah. I in think, spite of it all. I think I will. I think maybe I'll wake up early, mm-hmm. as I do, and... Yeah. Uh, Maybe go out and look at some birds or something. What's the latest you sleep in on the weekend? Uh, I the latest I can sleep in is thirty minutes. So so, so I wake up at three thirty a.m. Yeah, like four. 
<laughs> so I wake up at four on the weekend. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Even I am not that bad. <laughs> I can't. I just can't change the schedule. Otherwise, uh, it it's hard to get back on. I could so. easily. See Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here. Good morning to you, sunshine. Uh, welcome to the world. What time do you get out of bed? Um, normally. Today I got up at three. What time do you get up on Saturday? <laughs> oh, on Saturday. Uh, I guess it depends on on the weekend. Um, a lot of Saturdays I'm doing things, but if I'm not doing anything, then nine. 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 Yeah. See, that's my style, right yeah, there. Yeah, but like if, if I don't have to do get up, yeah. man. If I don't have to get up, I'll, I'll sleep all day, man. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And if I'm yes. uh, and if on a on a good Saturday, if I'm doing nothing on mm-hmm. Saturday, yeah. I'll wake up late, mo- uh, mosey around, mm-hmm. and then uh, take mm-hmm. a nap. Man, mm. my so, kids let me sleep until until like eleven one time, and I'm like, I can't sleep to eleven. I said, what is I'd have wrong to get up, but then I could take a nap later though. I'm like, well, who who lets their father sleep to eleven? What's wrong with you children? Yeah, my daughter doesn't allow that because in our house we believe in Maria law. <laughs> that's right. You may have heard of Sharia law, but, but no. Maria law. We do Maria law. That's right. right. I hear that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, nonetheless, we have a great show to get into, so uh, do uh, share us with a friend today. But let's pray and let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, August 18th, and here are your headlines this morning. This one is from The Blaze. The headline goes, Planned Parenthood prepares for midterm elections and plans on spending $50 million on campaigns and outreach. The company plans to focus funds on gubernatorial races in states where Republican candidates are running on the premise of ending abortion. Those key states include Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Planned Parenthood expressed concern that pro-life advocates may attempt a nationwide abortion ban in the future. Therefore, it plans on promoting pro-abortion candidates running for U.S. Senate. Amy Kennedy, a spokesperson for Planned Parenthood Votes in Georgia, said, for us, this really is the most important election cycle of our life. Which is pretty ironic, isn't it? The Daily Caller reports, China to send troops to Russia for joint military exercise. Chinese troops will travel to Russia to engage in a joint military exercise along with other countries including India, Belarus, Mongolia, and Tajikistan. Personnel from China's People's Liberation Army are expected to travel to Russia to take part in the Vostok War Games which are exercises that uh, haven't been held since uh, 2018, according to Reuters. And Sky News reports RAF pauses job offers for white men to meet impossible diversity target. The head of the RAF, which is the Royal Air Force out across the pond, has resigned in protest of an effective pause on offering jobs to white male recruits in favor of women and ethnic minorities, defense sources have claimed. The defense sources accuse Air Chief Marshal Sir Mike Wigston, the head of the RAF, of appearing willing to compromise UK security at a time of growing threats from Russia and China in pursuit of improving diversity and inclusion. And LifeSite reports LGBT group Men Having Babies backs Democrat bill funding surrogate children for same-sex couples. 
If passed, H.R. 8190 would eliminate IRS regulations that prohibit tax credits or deductions for medical fees incurred for surrogacy. The group Men Having Babies lauded the bill as a step forward for so-called fertility equality, which the New York Times described in a 2020 article as a movement formed around the idea that one's ability to build a family should not be determined by wealth, sexuality, gender, or biology. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Amo Taparelli. He born in 1395 at Savigilano, Perdomont, Italy. His name means defends the house with the sword. He is known as the tireless defender of the truth. Amo first pursued a career in law and was married and a father, but soon became a widower and mourning both the death of his wife and his children multiple, he felt the call to religious life, and to this end, he studied at Turin, graduating in theology and sacred scripture. Embracing complete self-denial, he entered the order of preachers of Savigliano at 441 at San Domenico convent. From his earliest years, he engaged in an intense apostolate. He was a worthy son of St. Dominic. For the effectiveness of his sermons and for the austerity of his life, when the clear fame of his virtues reached the Savoy, the Savoy court, Duke Amerio and the Ninth wanted him to be his chaplain and confessor. He was then appointed professor at the University of Turin. He returned to, and when he was appointed as Inquisitor General for his order in the Lombard and Lingran regions. He was appointed as such to replace the murdered Father Bartolome Cerveri. He carried out this delicate task with care and tireless preservation of the Catholic faith. He strengthened by the examples of his previous confreres in this role who had suffered martyrdom in carrying out this mission. In 1468, he became superior of his convent and then prior of it in, 18, in 1483. He was confirmed twice as the Inquisitor General in 1483 and in 1489. And finally, he was appointed as the Provincial Vicar. As he defended the values of Catholicism, his zeal in restoring and confirming discipline within the order was equal. So much so that he is remembered among the most ardent reformers of the 15th century. He promoted the cult of the Mother of God towards whom he always nourished deep devotion. In 1495, at almost 100 years of age, the angels warned him that he would die on the feast of the glorious Assumption of the Virgin. In bed, reciting the office, he pressed the crucifix to his heart, and having received the sacraments, he expired saying, to serve God is to reign. The friars and choir read the introit of the solemn mass. With difficulty, they removed the crucifix from his hands, while a crowd had already gathered at the convent. Two extraordinary miracles are well remembered. The healing of a woman's mother from cancer and the conception of a child in old age, of a couple believed to be sterile. At the beginning of the 19th century, his remains were brought to San Dominic Church in Turin. Pope Pius IX, on the 29th of May, 1856, approved the cult, setting its memorial of the Blessed Aimo for 17th of August, which date is still honored in Savigliano. Blessed Aimo Taparelli, pray. For us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. 
Jesus again in reply spoke to the chief priests and the elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fatted, my calves and fatted cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away. One to his farm, another to his business, the rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then the king said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads, and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. He said to him, My friend, how is it you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind his hand and feet, and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Not having a wedding garment, by this one person are represented all sinners void of the grace of God. That's Hadock's commentary today. Also quoting St. Chrysostom who said, To enter with unclean garments is to depart out of this life in the guilt of sin. For those are no less guilty of manifesting a contempt for the deity who presume to sit down in the filth of an unclean conscience than those who neglected to answer the invitations of the Almighty. He is said to be silent because having nothing in advance to, uh, to his defense, he remains self-condemned and is hurried away to torments, the horrors of which words can never express. Close quote, St. Chrysostom. He has invited. He sent, he sent the fathers, you know, Moses and Abraham. He sent uh, the prophets, Isaiah, Elijah, and more. And he has sent his only begotten son and the apostles as well. He's sent plenty of people. He's made the calls. They've been beaten, mistreated, and killed. And still he invites. But unless we repent and reconcile with God, reconcile with God, a clean conscience to which we can enjoy the banquet of the Lord. So let us make frequent use of the sacrament of reconciliation and the Holy Eucharist. We'll be right back. Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life because we know how it feels when others treat us as treat us as less than some Protestants like to charge the Catholic Church with changing the Ten Commandments because it omits the prohibition of making graven images found in Exodus 20. But is this true? No. And here's the reason why. Like Augustine, 
The Catholic Church sees the prohibition of making graven images as merely an extension of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. In light of the context, it seems that Augustine was right. For immediately after God prohibits the making of graven images, he says in verse 5, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. The prohibition is against idolatry, not the making of images in an absolute sense. So the Catholic Church didn't change the Ten Commandments. And it's not guilty of idolatry and having statues in its places of worship. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, you know, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, then you've probably heard me rant on more than one occasion about college, university. Um, it's a difficult thing. I've had many a criticisms for higher education. Going back when I was in college, I was like, this is, this is a rigged system. Well, uh, we've invited Dr. Michael Robillard on. He is the co-author of a book. Timothy Gordon is the other author of this book. It's called Don't Go to College. A case for a revolution. And we're going to have a conversation why parents ought to consider carefully when and where and how and why to send their kids off to college. Or if you are of college age and you're considering it, maybe you ought to think twice. We're going to have that conversation with Dr. Michael Robillard at 35 past the hour. So join us if you can and do share us with a friend. There are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me. And I'm sure they are to you as well. And uh, I saw a couple of stories today. Uh, that did get, did get my attention. The first one is the Swiss bishops. Now, this was out of the uh, Deutsch version of CNA. Uh, translated into English, the headline says, Swiss bishops publish report for World Synod. And I was reading this article today. And it's very short. I'll read it to you in just a second. It's, sh- it's short, but it's a little, like you have to read between the lines a little bit here. And unfortunately, that's just par for the course these days because a lot of the conversation, a lot of the statements, a lot of the documents that are produced within the church have sort of like circular language and ambiguity and vagueness. And you're just like, what, what, I had, you got to read it 10 times to really wrap your head around what exactly did they just say? And I'm wondering if the get out of jail free card isn't hidden inside this statement. Let me see what you think about it, but let's read this to you first. It says, On Monday, the Swiss Bishops' Conference published its report for the World Synod on Synodality, which began in 2021 and is scheduled to conclude in October 2023 with a General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops. Quote, The Swiss Synodal Assembly, which took place May 30th, 2022, uh, has finalized the report on the basis of comments and requests for adjustments, close quote. Hmm. Adjustments. We want some adjustments. All right. Okay. Well, what are we talking about here? Article goes on to say, this assembly had the task of summarizing the reports that emerged from the diocesan phase of the Senate into a national overall report. Okay. We. This is common. Most every, you know, sort of 
conference of bishops around the world are all putting out these similar reports. And you might recall a couple of weeks ago we read that report. I think it was out of the pillar, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure it was out of the pillar that uh, looked at how much participation all of these synodal subcommittee processes, hearing, listening sessions had. It was incredibly low, actually, all across the world, very low participation in the process. But nonetheless, the article goes on to say, in Switzerland, the debates and the synodal questionnaires have increased awareness of the importance of baptism for the life of the church. Close quote. It said in a statement going on to say, quote, it going on to say size that a synodal church increasingly recognizes the recognizes prophetic dig and prophetic and tea and lengthy. Hmm. That to me sounds like to me sounds like you get out of jail free card. You see, we just need to recognize the, bap the dignity of baptism in every person. On the surface, what's wrong with that statement? I mean, like, who couldn't agree that, I mean, like, golly gee whiz, we know that in baptism you receive the indelible mark, and if you were to go to hell because you chose to die in a state of mortal sin rather than the friendship of God, as they would say, then you would go to hell and be tormented, especially because of that indelible mark of baptism on your soul. So we know you get transformed in baptism, and we know that uh, that has a dignity to it, praise be to God, but what do they mean by that? Hmm. The article goes on to say two points were particularly emphasized, namely, quote, overcoming the experience that many people are excluded from full participation in the life of the church, close quote. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know I know a lot of people right now in Chicago, for instance, who have been protesting up there because they've been excluded from full participation in the life of the church. Maybe not the same group of people or Catholics that maybe the Swiss bishops are thinking about, but nonetheless, they're Catholics and they would like more full participation up there. Let's pray that His Eminence, Cardinal Supich, will hear their concerns and meet them where they're at. That would be Pretty darn amazing. The article goes on to say, also a critical examination of the, quote, clericalism that still exists in some cases, close quote. It is emphasized that synodality can only succeed if, quote, clericalism is overcome and an understanding of the priesthood increasingly develops as an element that promotes the life of a more syn uh, syn synodally oriented church, close quote. How many versions of the word synod are we going to have to come up with and invent before this whole process is over with? At I mean, least 10. I think we're at 10 now. Oh, uh, well, at least double that then. 20. I, I struggle to read English just in general. The synod on synodality and syno synodal... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we should keep a running count of how many versions. How many, how many times are we going to decline the word synod? In English, I thought that wasn't a thing, but it I guess you got it a is. synod for your synod, so you could talk about synods. <laughs> preach it, brother. Preach it. Well, clericalism. See, that's a very confusing statement. What does this mean? If clericalism is overcome and an understanding of the priesthood increasingly develops, uh, you're saying in 2,000 years we've not figured out what the priesthood means? I'm I'm super con confused by that. That I, I was pretty sure we understood. With the, I mean, we've had we've had plenty of councils and documents and catechisms and canon law. We've had lots of documents. I mean, mountains worth of, oceans worth of ink, forests full of paper uh, has, been, uh, has been used to discuss things like bishops, priests, and deacons 
And nonetheless, I guess we still don't understand what all of that is supposed to mean. I mean, it's hard to know what these statements sometimes mean. Article goes on to say, in connection with the topic of clericalism, the 11-page report states, quote, criticism of the exercise of power by officials is sparked by the observation of clerical mentality, the abuse of power, the ignorance of the realities of life and culture in Switzerland, the devaluation of women and the rejection of people from the LGBTIAQ asterisk. I never heard of an asterisk before. That's new. I thought it was a plus, but I guess it's now an asterisk. The spectrum, as they say, the retreat into individual concepts of identity from being a priest, a lack of attention for the people, a disinterest for the poor, etc. Close quote. All right. Well, again, I think this is the the uh, the get out of jail free card. If we just recognize the dignity of baptism and all people, then we can ignore most everything else. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. One is baptized. They're transformed. They're made into Catholic. You aren't born Catholic in spite of all cradle Catholics saying so. You are never born Catholic. You are made Catholic. You enter into the body of Christ. You become a member through baptism. Right? Praise be to God. We all understand that now. But that doesn't mean that it's all over with. You have to live and abide in the Lord. You have to maintain a state of grace. And that requires a constant battle with yourself. It requires spiritual combat until the moment that you are no longer alive on this earth. When you enter into eternity and face your judgment, you must constantly be at war with yourself, your disordered passions, your concupiscent nature. So it is very confusing language. And then they talk about clericalism. And I wonder if if uh, they have taken into consideration, like in Switzerland, for instance, just to use an example, you know, like bishops and cardinals meeting there and plotting and, and planning how to manipulate, uh, uh, you know, so papal elections. I mean, is that a form of clericalism? I'm just curious if you call the St. Gallen Mafia, their words, not mine, uh, as clericalism, because it sure would seem to be the case for me. Adrian? Yeah, you know, one thing, and I know I'm not the first person to say this, and I probably won't be the last, but I just find it very amusing in a sense because in the same breath, the people people will say, okay, we have to avoid clericalism. And true, there is such thing as true clericalism, but in the in the same breath, we'll have uh, letters from Pope Francis coming down saying, uh, dictating what we can and can put in bulletins. And so that's like, that's that's what clericalism is. That's and micromanaging. That's micromanaging. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the Pope really should not be dictating what's in your parish bulletin. But I'm sure he's got the, better things to do. Exactly. He's got better things to do. And so that's the basic principle of Catholic uh, social teaching is a, a subsidiarity. We should deal with the smaller things at the small level and the bigger things at a larger level. Amen. So we should not have to. That's what I think. That's why mm. I find amusing when they talk about clericalism, mm. but in the same breath, we're having these bishops and the Pope and the and Rome infiltrating or not infiltrating, but exerting their power over into people's dioceses and even local yeah, parishes. Exactly. Our uh, our CDT insider and good friend Clarissa over on our Telegram group, our private CDT chat Telegram group, is asking exactly what is the definition of clericalism. Great question, Clarissa. Great question. Yeah, we don't know either. Um, neither does this article make it clear or the statement 11 page document from the Swiss bishops that is part of the problem it is circular and ambiguous language 
that lacks clarity and the lay folk are scratching their head, which is why 99.9% of all humanity, to include every Catholic, will probably just ignore everything and just keep moving on. And they'll get to do whatever they're going to do, and it'll just be whatever it is. And we'll have to live with the fallout after. That's part of the problem, I would argue. And it's, it would be nice to have clarity, but we simply aren't given that luxury at this time. So that is, I think, the get-out-of-jail-free card. And what gets me is, okay, not once in this statement is there a talk of evangelization of the whole white world. Not once is there conversation about, uh, you know, the need, the desire to fulfill the one mission crisis given to us. We act as though we don't care about the poor. Are you kidding me? I mean, St. Teresa of Calcutta cared about the poor. She didn't need a synod on synodality to care about the poor. She fed 10,000 people every day on the streets of Calcutta, her and all of her sisters. And her sisters continue to care about the poor, as well as thousands of other great Catholics in our church today who care about the poor, the downtrodden, the lost, the weak, you know, those excluded. It is happening every single day in the church. So I don't understand where we get this notion that we somehow don't care about these people. We, in fact, do, and we always have. I wonder if uh, what the, the great saints would say about the lack of actual desire, language, intention to evangelize the world, about St. Jerome, St. Augustine, St. Francis Xavier, Hanipero Serra, for instance, who would beat his breast with a rock when he preached and walked 20,000 miles in his lifetime in order to reach the indigenous peoples, to baptize them, to bring them into the family of God, to help them to achieve eternity because he loved them that much. I mean, it's just mind-blowing to me how we have uh, decided that we are going to talk about things like uh, the poor and the marginalized and the LGBTQ and all this other stuff and ignore the bigger issues. I mean, we can evangelize the world and still embrace people who have disordered passions and want them, want the best for them and bring them into the fold. I mean, like, it's not either or, it's both and. And it seems like we are picking one and excluding the other, and that is a major problem. Here's what St. Paul said to Timothy. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be urgent in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort by unfailing in patience. Be unfailing in patience and in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers suit for their own life. Instead of fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, what's wrong for you may be right for someone else. And besides, what's right and wrong changes like everything else. You can't fight these things. You have to just go with the flow. G.K. Chesterton says, right is right, even if nobody does it. And wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong about it. Right and wrong are not based on fashion and personal preferences. 
and not on the calendar. They're based on the laws of God, on eternal truth that does not change. And as for going with the flow, G.K. Chesterton says, A dead thing goes with the stream. Only a living thing can go against it. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. The Daily Wire reports California Appeals Court overturns $300,000 in fines against a church over COVID-19 noncompliance. Judge Peter Kerwin ruled in favor of Calvary Chapel San Jose in a 36-page ruling on Monday. In October 2020, the plaintiffs, including the people of the state of California, the county of Santa Clara, and the county health officer, Sarah Cody, alleged that Calvary Chapel had failed to comply with the state's orders. The violations included failure to submit a plan for risk reduction and holding indoor religious services during the year of 2020. The organization noted that Santa Clara County was the first county to issue a shelter-in-place order and has implemented, had implemented an aggressive fine system. The county sought $2.87 million in COVID fines from the church, even though the Supreme Court had admonished California five times and had highlighted that the orders as applied to the churches were in violation of the First Amendment. And GB News reports cyclists could be forced to get number plates. Uh, if you don't know what a number plate is, it's a license plate. And insurance as part of new road laws. Across the pond over in England, the transport secretary has flagged changing road laws so cyclists have to abide by a 20-mile-per-hour speed limit or face penalties. This is less than a fortnight after vowing to create a death-by-dangerous cycling law that will treat killer cyclists the same as motorists. Among other things proposed were license plates for bikes. Maybe you'd have to get a license to ride your bike there. And Breitbart reports, citizens flip car to rescue a trapped driver. People here just care. A group of concerned citizens came together to rescue a driver from a dangerous situation on Monday in San Antonio, Texas. The video footage showed multiple people working in the rain to flip the car back on its wheels. The scene unfolded on a median as other cars and trucks passed the bond nearby road. Once the car was back on the right side, the group knew they had to rescue the person still in the driver's seat. Break it! Break it! Someone behind the camera said as one man was seen holding what appeared to be a tool. According to a person on the scene, the driver was unconscious when the emergency crews arrived to assist. The person's condition was not immediately reported. Uh, pray for that person. And uh, those were your headline news this morning. Praise be to God in all things. Uh, thank you, Rudy. Uh, sorry to catch you off there. No problem. Uh, by the way, tomorrow I will be sending out the uh, CDT Insider email. So if you're on the inside, praise be to God. Thank you for being on the list. And every week I look for something to to send your way. Last week I sent uh, that movie, St. Joan of Arc, which we watched as a family over the weekend. So good. Ingrid Bergman, man, it was great. Especially, and the timing was perfect because that I, Joan thing was out. And, uh, you know, they were hijacking St. Joan of Arc and trying to use her as some sort of a LGBT thing, and uh, nothing further could be the truth. Uh, nothing further from the truth. How's that, how's that phrase of, turn of phrase go? Nothing further from the truth? Nothing I, can be further from the truth? Yeah, that's the one. Nothing further can be from the truth, right? That is, that's how it yeah. goes. Okay, there uh -huh. we go. Nothing further can be from the truth. Just edit everything else I said before. <laughs> uh, because uh, she, she gave her life uh, in complete obedience, in spite of the fact that she was was hated, she was uh, chastised, she was tortured, she was abused, and eventually she was judged by a bishop of the church 
as well as uh, Dominicans, Adrian, shame on you, bro. Uh, Dominicans judged her, condemned her, excommunicated her, and then burned her at the stake. And still we call her a saint today. Yeah, she was canonically irregular. Go figure. Yeah. So, um, great movie. If you didn't get that, you can email me and ask me. I'll send you the link. If, you, if you're not on, my, on our email list, you ought to get on our email list. I, I harass the uh, CDT insiders at least once a week. Uh, for some special goodies. So I'll send you a sort of a recap of what we did all week long. I'll send you some uh, content that we broke up from the show. And, and then I send you like entertainment of the week. And I sent the St. Joan of Arc thing as entertainment of the week this last week. And really good film. And uh, it's free to watch. It's good stuff. There's a couple of scenes I skipped there for the little ones just because it was made like in the 40s or late early 50s or something. So I just used the remote and skipped a couple things, but uh, really good family time. So to join our CDTN Center email list, all you got to do is go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And you can look for the uh, CDT Insider email, and you can click that link. It takes just a moment to get on the list, and I'll send you that free talk by Father Bill Casey, the Fathers of Mercy, just as a thank you for signing up and letting me harass you in your inbox at least once a month. So, again, that's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. The other way is to pull out your cell phone and give us a text. All you got to do is uh, uh, text the letters GRN to the number 42828. So if you text the number 42828 and you put in GRN in the chat and you text that, it'll go straight to our email inbox. You will get signed up. Takes again just a moment. Super easy. Again, that's text GRN to the number 42828 to get on the CDT Insider email list. That'll go out tomorrow afternoon. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Dr. Michael Robillard. He is an independent scholar, philosopher, an Iraq war veteran. He has held prior academic appointments at the University of Notre Dame, the University of Oxford, and the U.S. Naval Academy. His past writings have focused on issues concerning civil military relations, veterans' issues, the ethics of automated technology, free speech in academia. He is also a devout Roman Catholic, praise be to God, an American and a patriot. He's also the co-author of a book called Don't Go to College, A Case for Revolution with Timothy Gordon, and he joins us now. Good morning to you, uh, Mr. Robillard. Morning. Thanks for having me on. You only have one downside in your life, and that is the fact that you joined the the army knowing full well that the Marine Corps did exist. So I shall pray for your soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, must have not got the memo, I suppose. But yeah. you and my father, and my father's father, my uncle, cousins, all of you. I don't understand. Marine Corps is the better option, but nonetheless, you decided to go to West Point. So. Uh, I don't know. At any rate, you had the rest of your life to do penance. Let's talk about college instead. Uh, you have a PhD. You've taught in academia. I mean, highest levels, some would argue. And you're co-authoring a book that says don't go to college? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of these cases, I suppose, where uh, both myself and Timothy Gordon, we, we know whereof we speak. You know, we're, not, we're not outsiders throwing rocks at a institution that we don't understand rather we're insiders that watch the institution that we love uh essentially become corrupted uh to the point where we had to exit and then warn people of uh of the corruption that's inside i think a lot of parents feel very pressured and i'm speaking of just parents that i i know they're 
their kid gets eight to become 18, and they've got to send them off to college because we all know if you don't go to college, you will not amount to anything in life. So they, they feel this pressure. They especially want their kids to go to their alma mater or a great university, and um, they send them off, and too often uh, the results can be very tragic, couldn't they? Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah, there's this this persistent narrative within mainstream American culture that a flourishing life is wholly dependent upon getting the credentialing degrees that a college uh, or university gives you. And that generates a particular amount of anxiety both in, in parents and, and young Americans to get those credentialing degrees. But in the process, people, they're, they're not paying attention to the, the content of knowledge and uh, lack of critical thinking that is now being uh, encouraged at, at the universities and, and has been for some, some time. And uh, in the last five years in particular, with the, the rise of so-called wokeism, uh, the, the curriculum that's at colleges now, it's absolutely hobbling to one's uh, flourishing as well as critical thinking capacities. What do you see as the, the greatest threat in higher education today? Uh, I would say the transgender movement uh, in particular, right? So you have wokeism or intersectionality, which is the, the larger idea of that everyone's an aggrieved victim. Everyone is oppressed along some sort of inter, intersectional uh, hierarchy of uh, victim hierarchy. And then a pati- the, the, the tip of the spear is transgenderism, where these folks conflate the notions of biological sex, socially constructed gender, and personally determined gender identity. And then they run all these concepts together under the same heading of gender. And it's like a, um, it's like a linguistic shell game or, or three-cod Monty, where you can't even get them to pin down an explicit definition, as, as uh, Catholic um, political commentator Matt Walsh has pointed out, these folks, they, they can't even determine or define the term woman. And if that is the foundation upon which students are organizing, <laughs> organizing their, um, their worlds, then that, that society is, is doomed to incoherence and, and uh, failure. You know, when it comes to this, I have criticisms of higher education actually on a more practical level, but uh, on this issue, it gets me that we're paying top dollar for, these, for this education. And you're hustling hard to get your kid or to just get it, you know, admitted into one of these major universities. I mean, here in Texas, University of uh, Texas, UT Austin, I mean, it's almost impossible to, uh, to really be an outsider trying to get into that university. You have to transfer in later. You're not going to get in as a freshman. Uh, so a lot of these universities are hard to get into. They're incredibly expensive, and we're paying top dollar, but the kid has to go there and sort fact from fiction and manipulation and pay for it. That, oh, hold that thought. We're up against a very short, short break here. Dr. Michael Robillard is our guest, co-author of Don't Go to College, A Case for, for Revolution, published by Ragnary. We're going to continue this conversation on the other side of the break. Is college lost forever? Or is there a way to fix all of this? What if your kid really has to go to college? Called to be a doctor, a lawyer, something like that. We're going to conversate about all of that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Are you lured by the half-century-old shift in Christianity that hails, I am supposed to be blessed with all my needs met, including excellent health, upward financial abundance, and sidestepping any adverse circumstance? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, sand or rock. Your prosperity church or your megachurch is offering you vanishing fantasies. Tens of millions are reaching for the lures that tickle a natural human quest for life with no heartaches. That is not Christianity as described by Jesus and the apostles. Secondly, there's 73 books, not just 73 individual verses of a dream life. God's merciful action in our life brings us into seasons that are not pleasant. We all struggle with expectations like, take up your cross and follow me. We just can't skirt it. This is a very real part of Christianity. St. Paul said in multiple places, what he suffered as loss, he counted as rubbish in order that he might gain Christ. And thirdly, my take on the lives of the saints. Bluntly said, more went wrong than went right. Except at the end. And isn't that what counts? Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelist. Hi, this is Dr. David Andrews from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Dr. Michael Robillard is our guest, co-author of uh, a couple of books. One is called Don't Go to College, A Case for Revolution. By the way, real quick, he's got another book out um, about the military and those who serve. And I really want to talk to you about that at some point. So we're going to have to have you back. I served in the Marine Corps, my family, all uh, veterans. So uh, I would love to have that conversation with you as a follow-up. But we're, right now we're talking about college the the issues with the college system and right before the break i was saying we pay top dollar we we work hard to get in or get our kids into some of these universities and then we still have to even though we're paying a premium sort fact from fiction uh, how hard is it for the average freshman sophomore junior uh to really be that discerning with these professors i think they're really entering into a, a space where they're they're at a, a tremendous asymmetric disadvantage. And this is for a variety. Uh, one is even if people aren't necessarily going out of the way to, to major in, let's say, anthropology or, or women's studies or, or lit, lit crit, where, you know, the majority of, of wokeism and intersectional ideology is, is found, there's still a baseline that, within that milieu that is established by so many other students that are taking those majors. So even if they're sticking strictly to to a STEM course, for instance, they're still going to be immersed within subculture that is laden with those values. Uh, second of all, the administration uh, is really on board with these ideas as well. And, and you know, it's not it's not overt, but it's, it's subtle in a million little depth by paper cuts ways, whether it's pronouns and emails or mandatory diversity, inclusion and equity classes or uh, keychain lanyards that have uh, rainbow um, you know, flags or, or rainbow uh, coloring on them. It's, it's these little nudging things that in aggregate, essentially, uh, it's, it's a it harbors a complicity towards the ideology of intersectionality, which is uh, 
it's antithetical to Christianity and to the founding tenets of, of American patriotism. So those are the waters that students will be swimming in, regardless of what major they opt into. Uh, and then the other feature is so many of the conservative or, or what is left of conservative professors, they're actually scared of the students. They're actually paranoid that the students are going to come after them and that they're hunting for scalps. So a lot of conservative professors, and we note this in the book, they're actually closeted conservative professors keeping their head down, walking on eggshells, scared of, of the students mm. or the student mob deplatforming, canceling them, etc. So as students enter into college, they're they're not seeing any t- type of ex- any t- type of a conservative professor standing up or offering any philosophical counterposition to the ideology that is is omnipresent in their other classes. You know, Doc, uh, we you know we're Catholics, so we we have an understanding of sin, and we do our very best to get ourselves outside of the near occasion of sin, but it seems that uh, sending your kids to college is exactly that. You're, you're putting them in the near occasion of sin by what you just outlined. I'm wondering um, uh, if you have a sort of a timeline, you know, because hindsight's 2020, right? So uh, the other day I was watching a show, and um, the show had a, a scene of college, and it seemed to me as if it was a very progressive-looking college, and this was like in the 90s. I'm wondering if you have like a, a timeline of when these institutions were compromised. Yes, well, we, we do. So my my co-author Tim Gordon has a good breakdown of this, and you know we we can look at the really the the start of the the Enlightenment begins the first crack in the dam and the removal of final causality and Aristotelianism from the Western mind and, and, and the Western conception of, of higher education. So we can, you know, let's, we can start the French Revolution there. Uh, another key point is at Niagara with the advent of feminism. So now we have a concept that's generating fissures within the family unit. That Baked for about a hundred years. Then, in the sixties, in particular, this is now you see the the proto neo Marxist ideas of uh, Gramsci and the Frankfurt School that were cooked up in the thirties, beginning to inhabit the universities. Uh, and this uh, gained steam with the uh, sexual liberation, the sexual revolution of the sixties and seventies, with uh, gay rights. And uh, that moves its way through the 70s and 80s. Uh, the 90s, you see the intimations of, of what the time was um, still gay rights, but then also intimations of uh, tran- transvestitism. Mm. And then uh, in the last five years or so, the transvestitism, got, that gets memory hold. And you, you don't even hear, hear the term transvestite anymore it's just if a man puts on a dress therefore he is a woman in in all regards uh and that that really began emerging maybe what 2015 uh so that that only took five years to to really emerge so you you see this logarithmic function uh of things picking up speed where where small errors in our our thinking and in our conceptual framework way you know generations back are now amounting to to 
uh, you know, c- c- civilizational collapsing. Yeah, it's uh, like an avalanche. Of, yeah, yeah. So, but the, the you know the cracks in the dam, the first crack that we we recognize as being the most fundamental one is the the movement into the Enlightenment and the removal of, of Aristotelianism from, from higher education. You know, it's interesting. There's about a dozen things that could follow up with. But, you know, one thing I have this discussion quite often about universities. I, I went to university. I would like to pursue higher degrees. But And so people say, oh, Adrian, why do you say that? And if you want to you go to, back to college, why do you say people shouldn't go to college? Well, I'm speaking generally. And, and the other thing that I hear a lot from a, a lot of parents, people my parents' age or older, is, oh, you know, I want, I want my kids to have that old college try to get the college experience. And I, I find that to be just not very good. But um, I just wanted to bring that point up. But the question I have for you is how do we overcome this credentialism? Because I think a lot of parents have a legitimate concern saying, I want my kids to have a job. But if you need to get if you want to get a job, you have to have a degree, even though practically speaking, you don't actually need a degree, or I guess theoretically speaking, you don't actually need a degree to do the job, but practically speaking, they won't even look at you if you don't have a degree. And I'm thinking of, I'm looking at the top 20 most popular majors, I'm thinking about uh, if you're a compu- computer science or communications, like our, our field right here, and, uh, even uh, business and management, nursing, even some of these jobs, most of them can be taught or learned by just being an apprentice by taking on this job and learning it hands-on in the field. And so how do we overcome this field of credentialism where you can't even get your foot in the door unless you go to college and get a degree? Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's I think, the, the big issue here, right, is where the universities used to be forming character and virtue and giving people actual knowledge. Uh, now, how they've become largely these, these credentialing mills. And, and that's the point of going to college for a lot of folks is to get the, uh, 100,000, $150,000 piece of paper that says you, you jump through all the hoops. And, uh, yeah, that, that is the problem. And, uh, I totally agree with you. I think that what people need is, uh, yeah, more hands-on experience, apprenticeship and, uh, and real world experience as the, the, lights by which they navigate uh as opposed to these credentialing degrees that might give you the the degree but then they hollow out your character and and your critical thinking process uh so we suggest i mean uh, you know radically defunding um you know or agitating to defund a a lot of these state schools that that are in these woke programs where taxpayer money is 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 funding these, these pernicious ideologies uh, and I think that, you know, that's at least one way to to begin trying to salvage what, what remains of the university system. Uh, we also steer people to uh, the, the Newman list, to Hillsdale, to the academies, to, to some other non-woke uh, Christian or Aristotelian schools where if, if you must go to college, these are ones that haven't been, uh, they haven't drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, so those are some of the hedges that, that we do make if people are dead set on college. We at least point them away from the uh, the cliff that they might be going off of. I wish we had more time. We're actually running out of time now, down to just the last couple of minutes with Dr. Robillard. Uh, you mentioned the academies. The Air Force Academy has got some woke issues for sure that it's been dealing with a lot of time. And introducing Wiccan was a big problem for them several years back. But nonetheless, um, <clears throat> how do we fix the college system? Is it fixable? Can we... 
can we turn this thing around? Can we save the university higher education system or is just put a fork in it? It's done. Yeah, this is the, this is the question. Um, so John Searle, the, uh, good philosopher at Berkeley, he, he makes the claim that there's two types of objects. They're, they're physical objects and social objects. Physical object would be something like a shirt. You know, the more I use it, the more it weakens. A social object would be something like currency. So the more I use dollar, the, the, the more legitimacy or strength I give to it. So the more we use objects, the more grant legitimacy to social objects, social, social institutions, the stronger they get. So we're in a situation where it's like, yes, we do want universities. We want higher education, but how do we do so in a way where we're not legitimizing these, these poisons and these poisonous ideologies that have attached themselves uh, and will strengthen as we send more minds, more bodies, more money to, to them. So that, that's the issue. Mm. Uh, and I think for now, the, the, the strategy needs to be one of, of embargo and, starving the beast and and considering getting back to the trades starting families early staying local being entrepreneurs being, being autodidacts uh teaching oneself uh any, any number of ideas and, and sources of knowledge that are online i think starving the beast for now needs to be the, the first method as opposed to sending money and uh, citizens off to these mills to, to get completely brainwashed. Mm. That, that's our opinion. That's our opinion. That's the point of the book. Vote with your feet. Just don't send your kid anywhere because it looks good on paper, right? Uh, heaven is the goal, not a good job. So maybe the good job has to happen, but you don't get to heaven. It's pointless. Uh, praise be to God. Michael Robillard, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. We enjoyed this conversation. We'd love to have you back soon to talk about your other book. Uh, the book is called Don't Go to College, A Case for Revolution. It's published by Regnery. You can find more information on their website at regnery.com. That's regnery.com. Uh, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the second hour, I'm going to share with you from BigPulpit.com an article about Monsignor Charles Pope on the stages of persecution. That's coming up next. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, God love you. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no comment commentary needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes, every Sunday at Mass. That's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. a personal experience that was life-changing for me. My husband of 21 years decided to leave um, our family, me and my girls, and um, in the midst 
of the absolute horrible heartache, I happened to be flipping through the radio one day on the AM channel because I didn't feel like listening to music, and I happened to find Catholic radio. And ever since then, I have been tuned in religiously, and I feel like I have a really, really strong pull to the Catholic faith. The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to thank those listeners who have supported Catholic Radio financially over the years so that we could be there when Terry needed us. If you would like to support your Catholic Radio station, please visit grnonline.com and you can click on the Donate Now button. Again, we sincerely thank you for helping us to be there for Terry and everyone else that needs God's love. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, this is Larry Massey, owner of HolyBears.com and proud sponsor of AM1430. KSHJ Houston, Catholic Radio for the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. Praise be to God. Dr. Michael Robillard. Great great conversation. Not long enough. We needed more time. Oh, yeah, definitely. To sort of nuance that out further. But I guess if people are interested in that, uh, Mm -hmm. they should check out his book. Yeah, I mean, the book goes into great detail from Gregory. Yeah. You can always catch the podcast of it on our uh, website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Also on uh, Rumble, not Rumble. Yeah, all of that will be available later. I mean, uh, Adrian takes these conversations and he chops them into smaller videos and he reposts them snip, ubiquitously snip. in the uh, cloud. Snip, snip, snip. Yep. So snip, snip. that'll be available later today if you want to get on our, by the way, our Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel. Uh, is uh, graciously allowed by our our cyber overlords Thank to you, a, overlords. to allow to acqu- acquire more subscribers. Praise be to God. We have over six thousand subscribers now. They don't allow us to have any views, you know, so they don't allow that. But subscribers, yes. So hit the subscribe button, and there's at least something. Praise be to God. Hey, but you know what we should do, Joe? What's that? We should have a VR experience. Like, like you talking about the goggles and all that? Yeah, so somebody mm-hmm. could be sitting here in the studio while we do the interviews. And we, we're all wearing 3D VR goggles? No, we'll be normal, but they're going to be wearing the goggles. Like as if the they were... Si- yeah, exactly. So, okay, well, what do Adrian, you think make that? that happen, praise be to God. Speaking of Adrian, Adrian's Portable. not in the studio Portable tomorrow. Portable. Adrian's gone tomorrow. I am gone Adrian. tomorrow. Where are you going? I'm going to... Where am I going? I just forgot all of a sudden. I'm not, I was going to say El Paso, but I'm not going to El Paso. Um, I'm going to Albuquerque. There we go. <laughs> Do we need a drum roll? Yeah, we needed it. was the moment. It was, com- it was for suspense. I didn't I forget, I promise. I I did, it was suspense. You're going to a wedding? I'm I going think? to a wedding. My buddy Alex, who uh, he actually listens to the show, called into our game show a number of times. Mm. He uh, is getting married on Saturday, so I'm driving out uh, right after the show, heading... Uh, driving what is that west yeah west driving west <laughs> to albuquerque and it's a 13 hour drive so i'll get there at like i don't know 10 o'clock at night or something like that did yeah. he allow you to serve the mass N- he did not ask actually you know <sighs> didn't want to bring that up yeah. there, rudy but thanks Damn. though yeah. <laughs> yeah not no hard feelings but uh, uh, tear tear yeah cry, if cry, you could just cry. sit in the pew that'd be great then. like yeah <laughs> uh, would you, i would appreciate it if you uh just did nothing. You know, That'd the nice great. way to say it is like, you're really important to me, man. And 
I just want you to be there, present with me, right mm. there, man. Mm. I don't need you mm. to serve the mass. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> basically, that's what he said. Basically. Full, fully participates what he wants. <laughs> I was. I'm Let's actively. Me, I will be actively participating in that mass. Thank I promise. You. Actively <laughs> participating there. Praise be to God. Hey, uh, b- uh, by the way, uh, again, we are going to be sending out the CDT Insider email tomorrow afternoon. So make sure you're on the Insider email list on our website. You can f- uh, sign up today. It's a grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Look for the CDT Insider email link. You'll find all the information you need. But, uh, hey, I just want to say a special shout out here to Clarissa. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. I see over there, and Luz, and Tammy, and Nick, and Damon, all commenting on our CDT Insider Telegram group this morning. Good to see you all. Praise be to God. We're going to be uh, chatting with everyone in the after show today, so join us if you can. We'd love to have you there. Also, uh, uh, Joe, if I yeah. can just uh, just sure. let you guys know, tomorrow we're going to have a very special guest on the show. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's going to be surprising. You're going to have to tune in to find out who it is. Uh, in replace of Adrian, is what you meant, or...? He's going to replace one of us. Okay. Ooh, I just gave it. Was that out loud? He, hmm. um, one of us. I tell you, I mm. can tell you who will be on the show tomorrow. Who? Uh, that is not going to be a surprise. We'll save the surprise for tomorrow. How about okay. that? Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the not surprise guest tomorrow is Monsignor Charles Pope. Hey. He is going to be on the program tomorrow. We're going to be talking about this divide between uh, traditional Catholics and Novus Ordo Catholics and we're going to be looking at that conversation. Uh, he's uh, got some great commentary. He's, he's been on, of course, Catholic Radio for many years. He he blogs and does a bunch of other stuff. And he'll be our guest tomorrow in the first hour. So we encourage you to join us for that. But speaking of Monsignor Charles Pope, you know, it's BigPulpit.com Day on the program. Tito Edwards is supposed to be on. not sure where he is. But nonetheless, over at BigPulpit.com, share my desktop there, Adrian. Uh, I found an article this morning by uh, m- by uh, Monsignor Charles Pope that I thought was very good. Now, if you don't know, BigPulpit.com aggregates sort of news, blogs, stories from all over the Catholic world into a list every morning. So when you log on, you have sort of a, a list of a bunch of different stories covering a variety of topics that uh, are very good. So I found one this morning uh, by Monsignor Charles Pope called The Stages of Persecution. And uh, I think this is very apropos, as some would say. Here's the article. It says, with the recent article in The Atlantic linking the rosary to extremist gun culture, we see a gross misunderstanding in the nature of spiritual warfare and its true target, Satan. The rosary is a weapon, but a spiritual one. While it is possible that the author simply misunderstands our allegorical references to warfare, I rather doubt he is that dumb. Rather, I suspect that this is an attempt to stereotype and vilify Catholics, especially traditional ones. These are tactics used to lay a groundwork for the marginalization and persecution of the faithful and the criminalization of their views. With the incident, we do well to review the stages of persecution. The term stages is particularly important in the U.S. because it is, a, it is rare for a previously respected segment of the population to become reviled overnight. The typical process is that the descent uh, progresses in stages that grow in intensity. In this way, the Catholic Church, once an esteemed institution in America, along with other Christian denominations, has become increasingly marginalized and now even hated by many. 
It may help us to consider the five stages of persecution because it seems that things are going to get more difficult for the church in the years ahead. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to take a pop quiz. Could either of you guess, without cheating, what the first stage of persecution is? The first. We need like a. We need like a. Dehumanization. Dehumanization. Yep. Hmm. So I'm going to go with uh, Okay. Okay. Pointing at them and laughing. Exactly. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> that guy. Uh, that's a technical term. Uh, Pointing at someone Dude, and you just summarized my entire middle school career. No, your entire <laughs> life. Pointing at me and laughing. It's pointing at a guy, turning to the person next mm. to you. Can you believe this guy? Man, I just had flashbacks to all those, uh, the cool kids wearing their Reeboks that had like the little, like the triangles that would pop, the plastic would pop out of the shoes. They had like, they'd have like little plastic uh, Reebok symbols that would pop out. Huh. You know, they were all, you know, like bright red. Oof, back in the 80s. I remember back in, back in, the, back yeah. in my day when I went to school, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. downhill and uphill at the same time. <laughs> in snow, um, I'm sure. In, in the Los snow. Angeles, yeah. yeah uh, people had the light up <laughs> shoes. Yeah. yeah, the light up shoes. No, yeah. no Keelys? Dude, no. Keelys was way They after. didn't invent light up shoes until I was already, like, old. <laughs> so, those were cool. I missed the good days, apparently. <laughs> But I did have, uh, I remember buying light-up shoes for my son, Stephen, when he was a little guy. I had light-up shoes, too. Did so you? Cool. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty <laughs> Stephen and I are the same age, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty So that makes guy. sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the first stage of persecution, according to Monsignor Charles Pope, is stereotyping the targeted group. S to stereotype means to apply an overly simplistic belief about a group of people to each individual person in that class. As the 1960s and 70s progressed, Christians were often uh, caricatured as Bible thumpers, simpletons, haters of science, and hypocrites. They were frequently labeled self-righteous, old-fashioned, and backwards. Because you know, the church once thought the earth was flat, and uh, the sun mm. revolved around the earth. What? Well, what? one of those is true, one of those isn't. And <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Oh, man. <laughs> So uh, stereotyping the targeted group is the first step, and everybody paints with broad brushes these days on social media, so it's uh, pretty common. We see that all the time. Step number two, what, do you, what would you say is the second level of persecution? Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That good, huh? <laughs> well, so stereotyping is number one. I'm trying to think of how I would do it. Okay. Well, what, would, what, what would be your second phase, then? Well, I'm an accelerationist, so immediately... Okay. They would just be you throwing your gas throw them in the jail. You're, yeah, okay. you. I would say you, you make, breathe jail. You make the uh, mm -hmm. so you. The first step was what again? It was uh, stereotyping. 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 Mm -hmm. So then you make those stereotypes mm -hmm. uh, all evil things. Ah, so okay. like yeah. Catholics yeah. secretly mm -hmm. report back to the Pope on everything. Got it. Okay. Well. Adrian is uh, potentially correct. Oh, potentially I, oh, I, correct. I can't actually admit his correctness <laughs> in public, but nonetheless. Uh, step number two is vilifying the targeted group for alleged crimes or misconduct. As the stereotyping grew in intensity, Catholics and uh, Christians who did, not get, uh, who did not go along with the Cultural Revolution were described as close-minded, harmful to human dignity and freedom, intolerant, hateful, bigoted, unfair, homophobic, and or reactionary. Basically I bad people. all those things every day. <laughs> it's like literally Twitter. That's what that is. Literally constant. <laughs> so, it actually reminds me of Canada. 
does it of the uh, accusing Catholics of mm-hmm. uh, killing the native peoples in mass graves? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, good point, good, good, good call there. Yeah, and then of course Planned Parenthood loves to use this against us for being pro-life, for instance, and uh, maybe killing women even though yeah. they're killing babies, throwing women into prison. How, yeah, that's that's really gone down, huh? Uh, all right, so step number three. So we got uh, step one is stereotype. Step two is vilification. What could step three be? The corral theory. The corral theory. Yeah. <laughs> what like what's the corral theory? Yeah. Are you a caballero? Like what's going down over corral there? Corral them all into a group, and mm-hmm. then you uh, mm-hmm. and then you ghettoize them. Then you ghettoize them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of reminds me of the Nazis and Poland. I would never maybe all, all the Jews comparison. and forcing them into a tightly packed, very condensed. Uh, what they call the ghetto before they would ship them off to the camps to exterminate them. Uh, so maybe we've seen this uh, this movie before here. Uh, step three is in fact marginalizing the targeted group's role in society, uh, having established the false premise that the church and the faith are bad, even harmful to human dignity and freedom. The next stage is to relegate the role of church in society to uh, the periphery. So the in other words, this kind of reminds me of what John Kerry made famous. Well, I personally, and uh, of course, President Biden's made this claim. I, I'm not sure if Nancy Pelosi had, but she might have. You know, I personally don't like a abortion, but publicly I can't uh, impose my belief on other people. Separation of church and state. Yeah, this sort of idea that uh, we can't uh, have a Catholic lens on the entire universe, on the entire single topic, no matter what it is. Of course we can and we should and we ought. Natural law and the Catholic faith go hand in glove. So uh, marginalizing the targeted group's role in society, making sure they have no means or capability to impact the world around them. All right, so that's step four. So uh, that was step three, rather. So let's let's recap. Stereotyping the targeted group, vilifying the targeted group, and then marginalizing the targeted group. And then, of course, step number four, what would you say uh, step number four would be? Well, the next logical step would be Mm -hmm. these people are completely incompatible with society, Mm -hmm. and we got to get rid of them. Mm. Adrian? Uh, yeah, I was going to say something at least somewhat similar. Somewhat yeah. similar. I mean, at that point, like, yeah. mm-hmm. these people are intolerable. You make it illegal yeah. to, yeah. Be, to okay. be them. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, step number four is criminalizing the targeted group or its works. He says, uh, Monsignor Charles Pope says, recent attempts help the poor people. He says, recent attempts to compel us to violate our teaching and consciences are noted above, but there have been many other times we have had to go to court to fight for our right to part- uh, to practice our faith openly. An increasingly an increasing amount of litigation is being directed against the church and other Christians for daring to live out our faith. Yay! Yeah, and like amen. like going to mass in 2020. <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah, that's, well, that's, the bishops yeah. of that one. But mm. I was more thinking of California. Remember mm. whenever they had uh, shut down a bunch of the adoption centers mm-hmm. from that are run by nuns because they refused yeah. to uh, mm-hmm. adopt kids to yeah. uh, sodomite parents? Yeah, what about the nuns that got taken to court uh, for years thanks to the Obamacare Act, mm. fighting mm. for their right to not have to force contraception or pay for abortifacients uh, in their health insurance plan for their employees at their hospitals? Like, hello? I mean, good grief. Uh, pretty, pretty obvious case there. All right, coming in at number five as the uh, fifth level and stage of persecuting uh, Christians and Catholics. What would you say? You gotta Kill hurry them. though. Kill them. Just burn them at this day. Burn yeah. down their churches. Well, step number five comes in at persecuting the targeted group outright. There we go. If current trends continue, Christians, especially religious leaders, may face fines or incarceration. 
So where are we now, Joe? Uh, step 4.57. 4.57. I don't know. We're, I think opinions may vary on that, but I think we're on the scale. We're on the slope. We're on the slide. <laughs> we're, on the, we're on the tracks. Whatever metaphor you like. But hey, we're going to have fun no matter the persecution. After this break, we're playing the game Fear and Trembling, and you can win prizes. Call right now. Let's have a laugh together. 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now. We'll be right back. Many Protestants believe we are saved by faith alone, and they say Catholics believe they can work their way into heaven. How do you answer that? First, I asked them to show me where in the catechism, the official teaching of the Catholic Church, does it teach that we can work our way into heaven. They can't because it doesn't. The Catholic Church has never taught a doctrine of salvation by works, that we can work our way into heaven. Second, I asked them to show me where in the Bible does it teach that we are saved by faith alone. They can't because it doesn't. The only place in all of Scripture where the phrase faith alone appears is in James 2.24 where it says that we are not, not justified or saved by faith alone. So one of the main pillars of Protestantism, the doctrine of salvation by faith alone, not only doesn't appear in the Bible, but the Bible actually says the exact opposite, that we are not saved by faith alone. Third, I asked him that if works have nothing to do with our salvation, then how come every passage in the New Testament that talks about judgment says we will be judged by our works, not by faith alone? We see this in Romans 2, Matthew 15, 1 Peter 1, and many other verses. Fourth, I asked him if we are saved by faith alone, why does 1 Corinthians 13, 13 say that love is greater than faith? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Catholics believe that we are saved by God's grace alone. We can do nothing apart from God's grace to receive the free gift of salvation. However, we have to respond to His grace. Protestants believe that too. However, many Protestants believe that the only response necessary is an act of faith, whereas Catholics believe a response of faith and works is necessary, whereas the Bible puts it in Galatians 5-6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. Faith working through love, just as the church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anybody ever you know what i'm saying all right we do like to do some things here and uh i promise it's all good number one we like to teach the faith so we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something praise be to god that you did not know before and then of course we like to have a laugh our callers are amazing we enjoy that most and we give out prizes which makes this a winner for everybody involved and i'm looking at the questions today and they're all easy okay I, you may not learn anything today, to be honest with you. You may have already known all of this. But nonetheless, we're going to play, and it's going to be fun. Here's the kicker, though. I do have three Catholic trivia questions, all of which we will not be asking our caller. 
So they don't need to know for sure. Instead, I'm going to ask Rudy. I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them is going to give us a correct answer. The other is going to give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then, depending on how they choose, every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is, drum roll please. Mm. Catholic Drive Time. You're going to be the envy of your neighbors, your friends, fellow parishioners, even the priest. He's going to see you sip in your coffee from your CDT mug that's autographed, by the way, during Mass. Just kidding, don't do that. But the winner this week is going to get a replica of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence along with some other little goodies here. I heard Pope Francis doesn't even have one of those. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. For sure. I made sure But of that. he's welcome to call in. We'd love to hear from his own. <laughs> if he calls call in, in, I promise. I'll give him one. Cup. I'll send yeah. him one. He'll play, he'll play yeah. the game show one day. Wouldn't he? That would be bad. <laughs> we be won't fun. interview him for anything else. <laughs> but he could play the game He'll show. play the game show. Be That's good. all he has time That'd be for. good. We'd love that. Uh, you get a CDT prize pack, the winner. You don't just get the mug. You're going to get other goodies as well. We'll include that in the, the, the giveaway. Thank you, Catholic Drive Time, for being our sponsor this week. Praise You're welcome. God. All right. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Uh, good morning to you, Forrest. This is my good friend Forrest from God's Country. Morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. I'm alive, Forrest. How are you? Um, yes. <laughs> should, the, the answer should be too stressed, too, uh, too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. And if grace was money, you'd be a millionaire. Somebody's been listening to Jesse Romero. That, Man, <laughs> I'm telling you, you nailed that. There you go. There you go. It's good to hear you, my friend. I hope all is well with you and your life, and uh, and our good friends out in Hondo, Texas, uh, God's country, God's to be country. sure. Uh, it's been you a know, while. We're, we're fixing to have the safe dove hunt. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's coming up September opening weekend, right? September first. Yeah. Praise be to God. I don't First think I'm going to make it this year. Last year we got to go. Didn't see any doves, but it was still fun to hang out with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, Are you talking about hunting doves? Yes. Serious lack of doves. Yeah, there was a very serious lack of doves last year. Like, as in none. There was zero. zero no, wow. no doves whatsoever. Uh, at least not for me. But nonetheless, it was a good time to see everybody. And I'm sure this year is going to be different. Praise be to God. They're probably going to have a great hunt. And SAFE is a wonderful uh, sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network and our team over there in Amen. South and Central Texas. So we're going to be praying for the success of that. All right, Forrest, I know you know the deal. You're an insider. So uh, best of luck to you, my friend. We'll be praying for you. Uh, just know uh, Rudy is wearing a tie today. He's got his, like, rich guy tie on today. It's got, like, no, what, what no. You... The problem is he said it was a field of midnight blue. It's not. It's Hondo blue. Hondo blue. Hondo. Hondo. Well, I'm going to use that I now. I was going to use gunmetal blue, but I thought that might be triggering <laughs> to some people. Gunmetal so. blue. Well, that that's I feel I feel like there's uh, some rosary radicals talking right now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. A little cryptic language there. All right, let's enough shenanigans. Let's play our game. We will start with uh, Team Rudy, as is our custom, our our church-approved tradition. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's start with a history question. Whew, my favorite kind out of all questions are always history questions. Hmm, good so, to know. Are you sure? You're ready? I'm pretty are you, sure. Are you up I'm for this? I think are so. You? Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's see here. Uh, could you tell me, please, St. Thomas More was martyred under orders of which monarch? Ah, Thomas More, man. What a chad. What an absolute unit. He was, uh, uh, he was put to death. He was put to yeah. death. He was martyred under King Francis I of France. Mm -hmm. Really? More is uh, <laughs> it's a French name, after all. 
King Francis I of France, you say? Yep. Is that because the Hundred Years' War and France was really just more like Anglo-Saxons and vice versa, Normans, that kind of thing? I mean, if you Are say you so. Are mixing it all up? Is that what you're doing? I'm, if you say In so. In honor of Joan of Arc. Okay, King Francis I of King of France. Okay, got it. Okay. Uh, Adrian, good morning to you. Good morning, good Can morning. Can you start by interpreting what the young man said over there? Chad, unit, I have no idea what he said. <laughs> oh, well, see, he misspoke. What he meant to say is that mm-hmm. Thomas More is a giga-chad. A, a, <laughs> a giga-chad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Giga-chad. I, I need yeah. to I need to interpret it. He's speaking a little outdated. You know, I got to get the Google Modern translator times. up here. Giga yeah. Chad, mm-hmm. Chad. You know, I have no idea. But nonetheless, can you tell me Saint Thomas More was martyred under orders of which monarchs? Or yes, Saint Thomas More was martyred under this king, who was known. Mm-hmm. He was declared mm-hmm. by Pope Leo the Tenth as Ooh. defender of Whoa. the faith, and that is mm-hmm. King Henry the Eighth. Really? Mm-hmm. King, defender mm-hmm. of the faith, you say? That's what Pope Leo X called him. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Forrest, you got options. Uh, Adrian, the Giga Chad guy over there, seems to think so true, it's King. Uh, King Henry VIII, whereas Brother Rudy, uh, who just went with Simple Chad and Unit, uh, that guy says it's King Francis I, King of France. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Who doesn't need 15 seconds? Forrest, what say you? Funny thing is, Queen Elizabeth still carries that title. <laughs> but uh, Adrian is right. I, I don't know how. On the first try, Adrian's right. I, 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 re- I resent that, Forrest. Just, just for the record. Praise Let the record be no. <laughs> Praise be to God. You. You are correct, sir. I just call him like I see him. Yeah, that's right. You are correct, sir, and well played, masterfully played there, Forrest. It is King Henry VIII and not King Henry, King Francis I. And for the record, King Henry VIII got that title because of St. Thomas More. Yeah, right. He wrote wrote the book. Yeah, he wrote the book (laughs) that King Henry VIII put his name on. And for the record, King Henry, I mean, uh, the seven sacraments. King Francis was the. King of France at that time. So. Really? I didn't know that. What? <laughs> there you go. All right. Let's move on okay, to the next Rudy, question. Uh, King Henry VIII that was the correct answer to the first one. The second one, equally easy in my opinion, but we will start with Adrian nonetheless. Uh-oh. Adrian, may Catholics use charms to achieve a desired result or to avert evil? Hmm. Make Catholics use charms to achieve a desired result mm-hmm. or avert evil. Yeah. Well, I've yeah. seen Catholics do it, so sure. obviously, yeah. it, yes. All the time. I see Catholics left and right. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I look to my left, mm-hmm. I look to my right, okay. and what do I see? I don't know. Catholics using charms. <gasps> okay. Yep. So your answer is yes. My answer is yes. You're just going to go with yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Rudy, uh, maybe, maybe you can shed some light on this. Could you tell me... May Catholics use charms to achieve a desired result or to avert evil? This one actually bothers me. No. Don't ever use charms. Every time I see somebody Mm -hmm. doing superstitious stuff like that, Mm -hmm. it makes me want to take an axe to the tree, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Go all St. Elias on them. (laughs) I understand what you mean. Uh, So your answer is no. You're going to say no. There's no exceptions to the rule? No exceptions. Don't use charms. It's superstitious. It's magic. Well, Forrest, you have options. Uh, Can Catholics use charms to uh, bring about a good result or uh, to avert evil? Rudy is a, is a firm no on this one, whereas so Adrian's busy. like, I see people do it all the time, so sure, yeah, why not? 15 seconds on the clock, who is right, who is wrong, Forrest, what say you? I am so glad that Rudy's right and Adrian, Adrian's wrong. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. 
Make me want to go the Boniface uh, option on these Forrest, guys. you're just showing off at this point, okay? I mean, you're a master at this. The, again, the, ma- I know, the amount of disrespect I'm feeling is just unreal. <laughs> no, it's, it's masterful. He's going to be in the grand championship. I'm going to start weeping soon. In fact, no, Catholics should not be using charms or, or anything of the like. Crystal, none of that. No. Don't do it. Don't do we it ever. We use sacramentals. Yeah, praise be to God. All right, third question. I think we're going to get you in there for a head. perfect, perfect score today. We're going to go back to uh, Team Rudy here. Rudy, can you tell me? What term refers to a celestial spirit assigned by God to watch over each person during life? Okay, uh, celestial, so otherworldly. Okay, so that's defined as an eldritch-type entity. An eldritch? (laughs) Yep. Wow. An eldritch. Yeah. Huh. Like wild at heart or something? Uh, Adrian, could you tell me... What term refers to a celestial spirit assigned by God to watch over each person during life? Hmm. Well, I kind of recall learning a prayer Mm -hmm. to this entity Mm -hmm. when I was a a young, young buck. And that would be, (laughs) when that was, that would be a guardian angel, which Uh I've been told Uh every state also has their own guardian angel. Ooh, okay. So you're saying it's a guardian angel. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a little on the nose there, Adrian. Uh, all right, uh, Forrest. Uh, Adrian says it's a guardian angel, but Rudy says it's uh, an eldritch-type entity. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Forrest, what say you? It's amazing. Adrian, like a broken clock, is right twice a day. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, 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 are you a by the have you been tracking the results and correlating the data? What? He's like, Adrian is only ever right twice, never more, never less. Well, uh, in fact, Guardian Angel is the correct answer. But Forrest, I have to believe you must have advanced degrees from higher university to have this level of mastery of this game, sir. He pays uh, me no. five bucks every time he wants Does, to play. Do you I'm happen to identify as a doctor? <laughs> Praise be to God. Forrest. I, uh... Hey, Adrian, that, that was the uh, first prayer I taught my youngest daughter, too. Amen. Amen. That's Amen. awesome. All right. Uh, God bless you, Forrest. Always good to hear your voice and praying for you and your family. Thanks for playing our game, having a laugh with us. We enjoy that most. Uh, we're gonna Thank call. You, we're gonna call that there for the radio side of the show. Put you on hold there for us, but uh, we'd love to chat with you directly. If you want to comment on anything we talked about today, let us know what you think. Got new topics you want to discuss? Go to the live video feed at grnonline.com forward slash cdt, and you can comment on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. It's all linked up. grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God bless you. God love you, and we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. From the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Thursday of the 20th week in Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. 
I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty Almighty God, God, and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Let us pray. O God, who have prepared for those who love you good things which no eye can see, fill our hearts, we pray, with warmth of your love so that loving you in all things and above all things, we may attain your promises, which surpass every human desire. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord, I will prove the holiness of my great name, profaned among the nations, in whose midst you have profaned it. Thus the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when in their sight I prove my holiness through you. For I will take you away from among the nations, gather you from all the foreign lands, and bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you to cleanse you from all your impurities, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and place a new spirit within you, taking from your bodies your stony hearts and giving you natural hearts. I will put my spirit within you and make you live by my statutes, careful to observe my decrees. You shall live in the land I gave your ancestors, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. The word of the Lord. I will pour clean I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence 
and your Holy Spirit take not from me. I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. Give me back the joy of your salvation and a willing spirit sustain in me. I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall return to you. I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. For you are not pleased with sacrifices. Should I offer a burnt offering, you would not accept it. My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit, a contrite heart, and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus again in reply spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast." Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burnt their city. Then the king said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads, and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. He said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It was discovered through a Gallup poll that over three-quarters of American Catholics do not believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Is it any surprise that shortly thereafter, because of some you know, disease or some pandemic, the churches were locked shut. Basically, God saying, and in, you know, ultimately in history we can interpret uh, the final cause of God, not just the exigency of human causality or secondary causality, that God basically was saying, you don't have to. You don't have to want me. You don't have to receive me. And one of the most horrible things that we've lived through in our lifetimes is churches were locked. 
where you couldn't be with Jesus, you couldn't even come in and sit with him. It is horrible, but it is merely the outplaying of this parable. The bishops in the United States in response have started an initiative called Eucharistic Revival. You can find out about it on eucharisticrevival.org. This year, in the Feast of Corpus Christi on June 22nd, was began a diocesan focus on the Eucharist, that every diocese for the next year until Corpus Christi, uh, I think it's June 11th, 2023, every diocese would have a diocesan-wide Eucharistic revival, that every diocese would be focused on, that the year after that would be a parish-focused Eucharistic revival, that parishes would re-intensify their Eucharistic amazement. And then on July 17th through the 24th, 2024, in Indianapolis, uh, 100,000 Catholics would be involved in a Eucharistic Congress to try to reinvigorate the Church. Why now? Well, they said on their website, the Church needs healing. And the Eucharist is the way of healing for the Church. But the world needs the church. The church needs to be focused on the Eucharist and realize that, once again, that the Eucharist is the completion of every human person, the desire of every longing heart, that Jesus is the infinite object for which every human soul was created, that we were created for Jesus the way fish were created for water, and that the church desperately needs to be Eucharistic-centered. Priests need to realize that all, their, all their, their needs are fulfilled in the friendship, a Eucharistic friendship with Christ. And that the, the only failure of a priest is to not bring their trials, their struggles, their pains to Jesus. Every marriage finds its fulfillment and completion in Jesus. And marriages and families need to bring their families to Eucharistic worship. And they need to see their domestic life as an extension of the Mass, a domestic church. And that all the, the, the suffering, the lonely, the sick, they need to find their, their rest and their healing in Christ. This, this has to happen. Because if we don't, we are very much like this parable, where we are left outside where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. And nobody wants that. We, want, we don't want wailing and gnashing of teeth. We want fulfillment of every desire and completion of our souls. And we, first of all, the way that we evangelize is by being complete. Bring your sorrow, your pain, your, your, your longing to Christ in the Eucharist. And let Jesus in the Eucharist be Jesus. Just let Jesus be Jesus. Give him permission to heal you, to love you, to pour out his grace and his mercy on you. And you don't have to go to the tabernacle. You, you, you should go to the tabernacle many times a day, but if you can't make it, uh, and if you're, maybe if you're stuck at home, if you're a shodan, you can make a Eucharistic pilgrimage spiritually. It's called a spiritual act of communion. St. Therese said she made him like 20 times a day. She would make 20 virtual visits. Of course, she didn't call it virtual, but it's 20 virtual visits a day to the Eucharist. And there's no reason why our hearts and throughout the days and our, or the busyness of every day, we can't long and make those spiritual acts of communion and be one with Christ. Let us ask our Mother Mary, the woman of the Eucharist, the mother of the Eucharist, to pray for us and pray for the church 
that the church may find its healing and recentering on the source, summit, and center of our faith, with the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ our Lord, present in every, in every tabernacle, waiting, and his heart beating for each of us. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray that the church may be revived and renewed in our Eucharistic Savior. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may find all their needs, all the wisdom, the courage they need to proclaim the gospel in this age from Jesus in the Eucharist. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our government leaders, that they may not obstruct Jesus. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, and that we may respond to Jesus in his distressing disguise. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead and all the souls in purgatory, that they may come to the fullness of the Father's glory. For these we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray together. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Most ancient of all mysteries, before your throne we lie. Have mercy now, most merciful, most holy Trinity. When heaven and earth were still unmade, when time was yet unknown, you in your radiant majesty did live and love alone. You were not born, there was no source from which your being flowed. There is no end which you can reach, for you are simply God. How wonderful creation is the work which you did bless. What then must you be like, dear God, eternal loveliness? Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Receive our oblation, O Lord, by which is brought about a glorious exchange, that by offering what you have given, we may merit to receive your very self through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people, he stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with the angels and all the saints, we declare your glory, and with one voice we acclaim, Sanctus, Sanctus, 
Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahod, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. similar way when supper was ended he took the chalice and once more giving thanks he gave it to his disciples saying take this all of you and drink from it for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins do this in memory of me mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, him and with him and in him, O oh God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, forever and ever. Amen. Receptis salutari postponiti, et divin institutioni formati, audemus dicere, Pater nostem, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, Fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, 
Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, and by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and saved from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were there already, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, remember when thou shalt come again upon the clouds of heaven with all thy shining train. When every eye shall see thee in deity revealed, who now upon this altar in silence art concealed. 
Remember then, O Savior, I supplicate of thee, that here I bow before thee upon my bended knee, that here I own thy presence and did not thee deny, and glorified thy greatness, though hid from human eye. Accept, divine Redeemer, thy homage of my praise. Be thou the light and honor and glory of my days. Be thou my consolation when death when nigh. Be thou my holy treasure through all eternity. Let us pray. Made partakers of Christ through these sacraments, we humbly implore your mercy, Lord, that conformed to his image on earth we may merit also to be his co-heirs in heaven, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. May Almighty God bless you in his kindness and pour out saving wisdom upon you. Amen. May he nourish you always with the teachings of the faith and make you persevere in holy deeds. Amen. May he turn your steps toward himself and show you the path of charity and peace. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Immaculate Mary, thy praises we sing, who reignest in splendor with Jesus our King. Ave, Ave, Ave Maria, Ave, Ave Maria. In heaven the blessed thy glory proclaim. On earth we thy children invoke thy fair name. Ave, Ave, Ave Maria, Ave, Ave Maria. Thy name is our power, thy virtues our light. Thy love is our comfort, thy pleading our might. Ave, Ave, Ave Maria, Ave, Ave Maria, Ave, Ave, Ave Maria.
prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy that peace always in the name of Christ our Lord amen all Catholic all the time this is the Guadalupe radio network radio for your soul has Catholic radio blessed you Bless a friend.